You can open your Bibles to John chapter 12. And we're going to read from verse 20 to verse 36. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with the request, Sir, that said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said, it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for the judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you, so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Well, good morning. Lovely to see you all. Great. So yeah, picking up on one or two things uh, that Ludwig did mention early on, uh, it's a confusing kind of time to get together. Uh, how are you feeling this morning? What's going through your head? What's going through your heart? Are you joyful? Are you happy? Are you glad to be here? Or is there a sense of heaviness? This is a confusing time as we come together in a sense of celebration, but also a reminder that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins. It is a very interesting thing that we come to do together as we remember what Christ has done. Uh, this is, um, as we gather together, we are reminded that um, obviously Jesus Christ has died, but we come together in a reminder of something that we already know the outcome of. So in some sense we have to say, well, 
It is a joy to be here together today because we know what we are going to celebrate on Sunday. We know that Jesus Christ is risen and we will declare that he is risen indeed. But today we declare that he had to die. That he went to the cross for our sins and that he gave up his life for us. So we have to speak to some degree, in how we already know. We know what is true. We've got the Word of God. We have been to many Easter services before, and we talk about this all year long, to some degree. And so this passage this morning is really leading up to what we already know. Peculiar, but in some ways absolutely fantastic. Well, this morning I really hope to highlight something slightly Uh, peculiar from John's perspective and how he thinks about Jesus Christ and what happened on the cross. Uh, Ludwig read the passage for us already. And there's a number of things that I just want to pick up for us that will help us to understand what is going on. At least the context of what's happening in this passage is you have this picture of people gathering once again. Uh, But notice what it says in verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. So as they're going to this festival, there are Greeks. It means there are Gentiles, there are non-Jews. They are gathering together as well. So among the expected people, there are the unexpected people. There are the Greeks. And what makes this quite interesting, at least in light of what we looked at last week in the psalm, is that ultimately not only has Jesus Christ come to die for the sins of his people, but also for the nations and the peoples, for all people, so both Jew and Gentile. And here we kind of see this starting to happen. And not only that, but it marks a significant shift in Jesus' uh, focus, if we can put it that way. So verse 21, in light of the fact that the Greeks are now gathering, he says, they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So with the approach of the Greeks, not only are the Jews kind of sitting around and wanting to learn and hear what Jesus Christ has to say. But now the Greeks are coming, and this triggers the hour of glorification. So as the nations are symbolized here as the Greeks are gathering, all, both God's people and the nations, are coming to him now. And that marks the hour that the Son of Man must be glorified. Interesting thing is that John chooses to focus in on this idea of glorification here. Because when Jesus says this, the hour has come to be glorified, what jumps into mind? What do you initially think about when you think and hear Jesus is going to be glorified? I know first, for me at least, looking at a passage like this, my head and my heart say, oh, Jesus glorified, meaning he's going to go and be seated at the right hand of the Father. He is going to do something fantastic. He is going to be glorified. In a magnificent, amazing way. That's how we tend to read it. That's our understanding of a word like glorification. But John picks up on it in a slightly different way. 
Because as Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus is speaking about his death. There is glory that is about to take place. Glory is about to come about through his death. And this is kind of countercultural. This flips everything on its head for us. Because when we think of death, we think it's the, it's the last hour, but not the gl- most glorious hour. Unless you are some extreme sports fanatic that does something glorious before you die in the process. But right here, what is happening is John is picking up on the fact that what Jesus is about to do is going to be something that is going to glorify him. And Jesus says that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So the title of this talk this morning is simple. The Hour of Glory. Uh, It is not an hour as we use an hour today, that we have been here maybe for an hour. Not quite like that, but it means the time. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He says in verse 24, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So now he begins to show what it is and why there is glory in what he is about to do. He is saying here that in order for there to be more seeds, one must fall to the ground and die. He must die. The Son of Man must fall and die in order that more seeds may come. This is glory. A plant is glorified by being able to make more plants. There is glory in that. And for a plant to do it, we don't see a plant wilting away and dropping its seeds as an act of glory, but This is the kind of picture that we are given here. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. For Christ to be glorified is for the nations and all peoples to come and hear that he is the Son of God, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the Savior of all mankind and for all to go out and tell others of that, to let it spread. And then he says this as it then really does focus in on the individuals as well. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So he not only focuses on himself, but on a life and an attitude that is living toward him that is dedicated toward him. Whoever serves me must follow me, and wherever I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the ones who serves me. And so Jesus is really highlighting for us just what it looks like, what glory looks like. It is an infectious glory, if we can put it that way. It spreads. It's a fantastic glory. Now let's pick up in the next few verses. Verse 27, he says, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. 
Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And so what's so incredible here is as we are seeing Jesus proclaim, he's saying, Father, glorify, glorify your name. God saying, I have done it. I have glorified my name, but I am going to do it again through what I'm about to do with you. Jesus shows his humanity here for us as well, which I think is something we need to pick up in this passage, especially around a time like Easter. He says, now my soul is troubled. This is not a simple, easy thing for him to go through. He is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, no, no. It is not about what he would prefer, but instead for the Father to be glorified. So Jesus himself shows us how he looks to the Father to glorify the Father. Oh, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The Son of God shows us his very heart, his humanity, but also his obedience. His obedience to the cross, his obedience to want to glorify the Father. And so the very hour of glory is not only for Jesus Christ and him himself, but glorifying all that he is, including the Father. It is for the Father as well who will be glorified. And then verse 29, the crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. There's something real, audible, magnificent about that moment. But we really want to zoom in on this next a little bit more in this next section. Verse 30, Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for the judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And the first time looking at this, or multiple times, I, I keep wanting to think that this is talking about Jesus' resurrection. That when Jesus is lifted up, all nations are going to come to him. When Jesus is lifted, that is the time. That's the hour when all nations will come to him and there will be, he will be glorified. The name of God will be glorified. But instead, when John uses this phrase, lifted up, it can be used as exalted, but John loves to use lifted up, meaning to be raised up. As in not raised from the dead, lifted up as the serpent was lifted in the desert. In the Old Testament, we have that account where the serpent is lifted up to deal with the, the snakes. And here, he's saying again, just as the serpent was lifted in the desert, so Jesus will be lifted up. And he says it here again even more clearly. Jesus uses this phrase and he says, And I... When I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. In that moment of being lifted up, being crucified, that is when I will draw all people to me. And if that's not convincing enough, it helped me to see it when I just decided to read on. In verse 33, he said, 
that this is to show the kind of death he was going to die. This lifting up is the type of death that he would face. Jesus Christ would die by being lifted up. And in that action, in that moment, the nations would be drawn in. This is quite significant aspects of what is highlighted here. John is telling us something and capturing what Jesus has said here before any of this has taken place, at least as the reader follows the the story. But here, it is in Jesus being lifted up that the nations are drawn together and ultimately the name of God is glorified. You see that? The hour of glory is in the lifting up of Jesus Christ. And obviously, as I say, this is what makes it so complicated for us, is we read that and we hear it and we think, well, that sounds fine. I can understand it because I know that's what happens. Jesus is nailed to the cross. He is raised up. People who believe have to believe that Jesus Christ died and that he rose again. And we know that. It's a truth that we know. And we're sitting here torn between having to be somewhat aware of the emotion that must have gone along with this, but also so joyful for the fact that we know that Jesus Christ conquered the grave. But there is the reality of the people sitting here listening to this. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law of the, of the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? There's already this frustration because there's uncertainty. It sounds confusing. The Messiah is supposed to last forever. And you're saying he's going to die. Then Jesus told them, You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. (laughs) It's amazing how Jesus portrayed and how he does what he does he's saying i'm here while i'm here listen to what i have to say be solidified in what i'm declaring to you know what i'm saying is true before i go make sure that it is ironclad that you won't be shaken by what is about to take place now we know that again we know what takes place When Jesus is crucified, there's like a scattering. There is uncertainty, confusion, there is doubt. We have all sorts of different characters emerging through Jesus' death. And it's in his his resurrection that he brings them back together and helps them to see what he was saying and to understand this reality. So it's difficult for us to look at this and not know what happens. But really what we want to pick up this morning is that through Jesus' death on the cross, as we come this morning on Easter Friday, looking at this moment in history and time in the life of Jesus, that in his death there is glory. 
There is glory because not only through his death he is saving lives from sin, but he is drawing in the nations. He is drawing in the peoples. He is glorifying the Father's name because of his incredible obedience to the Father. He is doing everything that we fail to do and that Israel failed to do prior to him. Israel was called to be a blessing to the nations. Israel was called to be this people that signify God's incredible glory and grace and love. And yet they were isolated or divided or whatever the circumstance within their history that you want to go and look at. And Jesus comes in and he is obedient. He is gracious. He is a blessing. He is doing things to the point of even being a sacrifice himself. So when we come together thinking about Good Friday or looking at the cross like today, we see that it is one of the most incredible and glorious moments as the Father is glorified, as the Son is glorified, as in this hour, the nations are included and drawn in. So today we rejoice in the glory that Christ endured on the cross. We rejoice in the glory that came to the Father's name. We rejoice in the glory that As we gather together, we are part of those nations that the gospel has extended to. And as we sit here, we sit in the midst of that reality that the Son is glorified as we gather today as foreigners, as outsiders once to his family. By us gathering here, we bring glory to the Son, glory to the Father. He unites us as His children. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And here we sit as a testament to that today. May we rejoice, may we celebrate and give glory to the Father because of the Son and what He has done. And as we come on Sunday, we celebrate all the more because Christ is risen. And as I say, it's a difficult thing to preach just one side of this. We want to go all the way. We want to proclaim both his death and his resurrection. But sit today. Take some time again today. Just weigh up what did Christ do for you and for those around you on the cross? And how is that glorious? Do you feel that that is glorious.
that that was an hour, His hour of glory. And there is more glory to come. There is glory in His resurrection. There is glory in His ascension. And there is glory as we gather like this in His name. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You that as we can be here this morning, it is purely as a result of your incredible grace, your incredible sacrifice and willingness to give up your life as a servant, as a king, so that others may have life, that others may come to know what it means to live in you. And gracious Father, as we are here this morning, pray that we may be sensitive to the weight of what we are remembering, but also the joy of what it signifies for us today. Father, I pray that we may truly find ourselves to be part of your body, part of your people, as a result of your incredible glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>